Hello and welcome to this interview special episode of Tech EU podcast. I am your host, Andre Degeler. In today's episode, we will feature interviews with two startups, Paris-based Lovis and London-based Sonantic. First up is Lovis, a digital insurance provider that raised 17 million euros back in January. So our editor, Robert Wouters, talked to Elise Montelier to learn more about the product and the industry. Hello, hello, and this is Robin Walters from Tech.eu, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, by Elise Moutardier. She is the co-founder of a French company or a France-based company called Lovis. Uh, welcome, Elise, to the show, and please explain us a little bit about Lovis and yourself. Uh, thanks for having me, Robin. What are we doing at Lovis? We are ne- new insurance that enable people to new generation actually to handle their uh, insurance contract, following their needs and making them evolve with them. We also have um, the ability to, to for people to handle on a 100% uh, digital platform and an all-in-one contract view uh, their 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 insurance in life basically. We also enable them to have more transparency about their uh, insurance, uh, how much they pay, how much they they are they are spending on the on the months, and uh, manage the, the the insurance in a better and easy way. Great. And what's your role at the company? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, I've been uh, <laughs> I've been handling a lot of roles. Uh, currently, I'm, uh, I'm managing the development of new uh, insurance contract and product that we will be announcing uh, by the end of the year. That's going to be a new major product. But in the past, I have been uh, working uh, in product development and uh, and setting up all the operations team from Portugal. Great. So you are an insured tech company, a neo-insurer, as you call it, building new types of products for the new sort of generation of people who need to be insured. Um, does that mean that you actually require some background or knowledge about the insurance space, or is it better to go into this space sort of not knowing all the legacy stuff and, and trying new things? I think that's important to have both. Uh, on my side, for example, I had no uh, background in insurance, and I think it's amazing to rethink the, the user experience from a point of view that individually you don't know so much about insurance. So you take it from scratch, you rebuild the whole experience from the individual, and that's what uh, differentiates us from our competitor, uh, but um, traditional ones, I mean. And and also, it's really, of course, important. To to have competencies and uh, uh, know-how uh, in insurance on the team because the, the insurance is a really compliant, uh, compliance-oriented product. So that's important to, to have that in mind too. You're based out of Paris. Does that also mean that you address the French market primarily or do you offer a European, pan-European coverage, for example? So why did we choose France? Um, that's a good question uh, to set up Lovis. Um, we were basically having three choices that for insure tech companies, it's important. Lo- London, Berlin or Paris, because they are the three main markets uh, in insurance in Europe, if you want to have a European uh uh, vision and uh, with the Brexit, I think we have made the great choice to go to Paris. Uh, plus, there is amazing croissant uh, here, so <laughs> we are happy to enjoy. Um, I'm joking. I'm I'm also French, so that was um, that was uh, one of the choice to to set up the company in the one of the largest markets. Of course, we are not one country oriented. We have European expansion uh, vision uh, that we already start actually. 
and uh, your co-founder is a Portuguese entrepreneur, uh, Joao Cardoso. I think I, I met him many years ago. It feels like an eternity ago because it was at a live event. Uh, but then I, I watched the journey. You were founded in 2017. I think you raised your first seed funding round in 2019. Uh, and then uh, quite recently, you announced that you secured about 17 million euros in Series A funding uh, from a range of really, really well-known investors across Europe. Uh, what are you going to be spending that money on? So, uh, of course, the expansion of the team, uh, as we really want to duplicate our tech capacities to make a great use of our data and uh, also to setting up new countries soon. We will be announcing a new market by uh, 2021. Can you already lift the veil a little bit? Because I know now you offer uh, insurance, online insurance products for things like homes and cars and pets and smartphones. Uh, what direction uh, is the next uh, sort of iteration of the, the product going to be? So on, in terms of product, we will be launching other products that are important for individual, but we are not uh, announcing for now uh, what w would they be, but um, basically to find good context of insurance for, for people that are based on their needs and the more con daily needs possible. And in terms of countries, uh, that's not an information we, we are sharing right now, but uh, uh, we will be announcing soon. Looking forward to that. Um, of course, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has changed a lot for a lot of people. Um, I'm wondering how has it affected uh, you as a company, but also the market that you're in? So COVID situation for us in terms of team and company was not uh, something really different from what we are used to. We are used to work remotely with our four offices uh, divided between uh, Portugal and France. So we are already a super international and remote uh, in a way team to handle the activities. But uh, I think COVID situation uh, just uh, highlights the needs of digital solution for insurance. For us, it was almost a great opportunity, actually, to show how uh, the value of our product. Great. Uh, one of the statistics that uh, you shared as a company when you announced the funding round in January of this year uh, was that you currently have, have about uh, 20,000 policyholders, but that you also want to grow that to 100,000 policyholders within a year. Uh, what is your plan to achieve that? So actually, we are already reached more than 30,000 users currently. The, the growth is, uh, is going fast. Of course, to, to achieve our vision, we need to scale the team to launch new products in new markets and have this uh, pan-European vision for the company. So speaking of team, how large is your uh, employee base right now and where are they uh, located? I, I, mean, I know you mentioned four offices, but uh, what's the rough uh, split in, in terms of staff? So currently we have about 67 people uh, working at Lovis and uh, among them we have more than 12 nationalities. So uh, we are already uh, more than European. Actually, we are international uh, in terms of employee. And that's a great uh, achievement for us because that brings diversity in, in, the, in the team. And uh, they are basically split. Most of our growth is uh, located in Portugal. Uh, we are a Portuguese ADN company uh, from Jean Carbos Dozo at the end. And, uh, and basically, we have uh, Porto, part of the team is there. We have Lisbon and Liria, which is the, the native town of Juan, uh, where we had set up the first tech team. Fantastic. And uh, you mentioned that, you, of course, you want to scale the team. What are some of the, the roles that you're looking to fill? What kind of people are you looking for? 
Uh, of course, the, the tech uh, profile are the most important uh, in, uh, in uh, looking forward. Uh, we will grow the team by, uh, I think we have 15 new job offers available for tech and data uh, scientists, data engineer also. And that's the type of profile we are the most looking for, but also product owners to develop new products in insurance. So a bit of a, a weird question maybe, but have the, the large insurance uh, incumbents, the large companies in France, I'm guessing they know you exist, but do you hear from them? Do you, do you hear any, any positive or negative reactions from the like more traditional market? Traditional insurance, of course, they are one of their main uh, competitors in France, but they are also partners. We are uh, totally working uh, all together to develop great product. So Lovis is, is uh, used to use a methodology that we think our product insurance from scratch and we uh, start from user uh, experience and uh, discussions to build what is the best product uh, in place for our type and our target clients. But we need also to collaborate with uh, with insurance company uh, in terms of uh, underwriting, especially. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you mentioned earlier that you have a lot of diversity in the teams. I think you were talking, talking more about the, uh, the nationalities. Uh, but of course, you're a woman in tech uh, as a female entrepreneur that I, I've been talking about this for ages, but the, the numbers are so bad, especially for uh, for funding uh, going to women. Is that something that you know that you think and, and, and talk about a lot as well? Yeah, as a, as a woman entrepreneur, I think uh, sometimes you feel lonely, especially in events where you see that there is no so much uh, other women in tech, especially in fintech. I think it's a really, uh, it was a really main focus uh, word, uh, digital uh, and uh, IT uh, uh, sectors also, but uh, this is fortunately changing. I can feel that there is so many initiatives in the market in terms of women focus accelerator or uh, 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 even in education or in school to to focus on on, on women. I think also press coverage is uh, is pointed out this lack of women in tech, and uh, that will enable certain movement to to be uh, in course for the next year. I think. Yeah, fingers crossed because the numbers don't uh, look good. Even the evolution in the last few years has really not been very positive, which I think is one, one of the really bad aspects about the tech ecosystem in general, but also also in Europe in particular. Uh, maybe as a final question, um, where do you see Lovis in, let's say, three to five years? I know it's a horribly cl cliche question, but I'm, but I'm really interested. In two to three years, I think Lovis will be at least in five countries in Europe. We will be developing new 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 products uh, for individuals that would fit their needs. And I think also our vision is to develop the layer of services uh, attached to insurance because uh, uh, for, for, for people, insurance is just a contract of something that in France, it's most of the time compulsory. Uh, and we really want uh, to bring some value in the experience of the user. And with that, we need to have a more uh, services-focused vision also to develop more and more our data use to make the best, uh, the best of, the, of the data we have on our user to help them to do and make the good decision uh, for their protection. Yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of work ahead of ahead of you, but uh, quite an exciting space to be in, I think. Um, so thank you so much for clarifying a little bit of the work that you're doing. I've been following the journey for a couple of years now, and I'll be very much looking forward to seeing what uh, the next years bring. Uh, Elise, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. 
The second conversation that I would like to play for you today, also recorded by Robin, is with Zina Qureshi, the CEO and co-founder of Sonantic. The startup, which is fascinating by the way, is creating what Zina calls the CGI of the audio world, helping film and game studios generate voices for their titles with the help of artificial intelligence. So check this out. Hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, uh, by Zini Qureshi. She is the co-founder and CEO of a company called Sonantic, based in London, that basically builds technology uh, to create artificial, artificial intelligence-powered but hyper-realistic voices. Uh, welcome to the show, Zina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Was that, was that a good introduction, or would you put it differently? Yeah, you could do that. I guess for us, we, we create uh, hyper-realistic artificial voices. So the world's most expressive and realistic artificial voices. We help studios um, take their scripts and turn them into believable voice. Um, we like to think of this similar to CGI. So the same way CGI brought visuals and mixed the unbelievable with the believable, we're doing the same thing, but for the audio world, specifically for entertainment studios like AAA games as well as films. Great. And um, give me a little bit background of the company. When was it founded? And then most importantly, why? Like why, why you and uh, why, why this market? Sure. So we were founded at the end of 2018, December 2018. So about two years old. I met my co-founder at Entrepreneur First. And it turned out that we both have a decade of speech experience. We were friends first. And then um, I guess my background is I taught speech and language therapy for nine years to children with autism. And I used to remember every time they went on break, they would play these games. And obviously the games would have a uh, voice. So I really thought voice could be like the methods behind getting voice into a game could be streamlined, um, as well as helping actors become more able to work virtually. And that kind of was something that helped solve last year's pandemic problem for a lot of different actors from our side. Uh, but on the other side, I, my co-founder, John, he comes from the world of Hollywood. So he's spent 10 years... Uh, working with amazing films like the Harry Potter series, The Dark Knight, Bohemian Rhapsody. And we're leveraging both of our backgrounds to really create the highest quality voices for AI. Yeah. Can, you, can you elaborate on the problem that you're solving? Like, How is it being done now that you can do better? Sure. So right now, what we do is we help studios from anywhere from concept and pre-production to Final Cut to get voice into a game or film is just an incredible amount of work like it can take years and these pipelines are are very very meticulous but also very linear so you have to go through booking studios editing directing contracts several iterations and anytime the game changes or the story changes they have to redo everything again and because this is such a tedious process there's so many logistics during pre-production most studios don't have the means to get this done. So they use text-to-speech already. And so we are a text-to-speech platform. So from the very beginning, we help them get a better feel for their story. And this helps actors work in pre-production, which they weren't able to do before, but also um, just helps create a better entertainment product in the end because they get a better feel for the story with an actual real voice, synthetically created, but sounds like the real thing for the end product. It doesn't just sound like the real thing. It's quite impressive. Like I've been testing some of the, the things on your website and watching the demo videos. It's quite quite amazing to me how much emotion are in these these artificial voices. Like I didn't even know that the technology had advanced at this point, I have to say. 
Thank you. Uh, we've been working pretty hard. I think the team has done an incredible, incredible amount of work in the last two years. I'm very proud of them. And yeah, I think this is just the beginning. I think in the next five years, we're going to see this technology evolve. We've already seen it with Alexa and Siri, but um, human realistic voice interactions in entertainment, taking it. Why are you still going to the post office? Should we wait a bit? Sorry. Alexa, stop. Oh, was that Alexa? I just started. Oh my God, that is so funny. I'm going to try and keep this in the recording because that's hilarious. Because we were just just mentioning Alexa. Um, Yeah. Uh, but I, I can't imagine that you were the first to identify this problem and then try to do something about it. If it's, if it's such a huge um, problem or a tedious process in, in, in big entertainment studios and gaming studios, then I can imagine that you have already quite a lot of competition. And also, there's a lot of big tech companies also working on text-to-speech. So h- how do you differentiate? There are lots of speech companies. Text-to-speech isn't new by any means. Like We can go back all the way to the speak and spell days where you type things in and it's a concatenative approach where it just sounds very robotic. But modern speech synthesis has made it now able, like the technology able to sound as realistic as a human. But what we realized is all of these nuances that make voice really believable were still being cut out of the project cut out of these systems. They weren't able to really capture that deep emotion or that that believability factor. So for us, like we really zoomed into this and we made sure that our tech could bring this out. And we work with our expert storytellers like these game studios who can help reinforce the whole process. Now, the tech giants, they're looking at personal assistants. They're looking at call centers. They're looking at a lot of different use cases. Um, but for us, we focus purely on entertainment, and where a lot of different, I guess, text-to-speech systems focus on speed for personal assistance, we focus purely on quality, making sure how, how high quality the voice can be and how believable it can be so that immersion isn't broken for an entertainment product because entertainment products need the highest quality bar for voice. And so for them, like if it doesn't sound good, the game isn't going to do well. Yeah. And uh, um, about the technology, you call it AI-powered, but what does it actually mean? Can you describe what... AI component is in there. Yeah, sure. So we use neural text-to-speech. Uh, so this is yeah based on with neural networks. We use machine learning for this, deep learning. Our whole architecture is based around using this AI. So it's AI-based. And yeah, that's that's just basically the, the way we've made it. But it is put into a product that is like an audio editor. So you, that's where we why we like to call it the Photoshop for voice. So it's it's an audio editor. You can edit, sculpt, and direct a performance, but it's powered by AI voices on the back end so that you can put those into the script. Got it. Okay, understood. Um, now, about a year ago, I think you announced your your first uh, seed round of funding. I think it was 2.3 million euros in funding uh, that you received. It was the first time I heard about the company. And I remember thinking back then, oh, they're they're going up against like the voice actors. They're, they're putting them out of business. But as I was prepping for this interview, and you've already alluded to this, you actually work with voice actors. You, you try to help them and complement their work, right? How, do, how does exactly. that work? Can you elaborate on that? Exactly. So we, we work very closely with actors. We partner with them and we make sure that they're a part of the process the whole time because the, the best entertainment products will only have the best actors and they're so crucial to the whole uh, industry as it is. And so we have four P's that we like to stick to. One is we always make a, a model that they can be proud of so that their voices sound as good as they can perform when they go into the studio um, normally. 
This provides passive income for them and allows them to work virtually so they're not tied to location or time. It also opens up more projects for them. So most pre-productions or even um, lots of different other scenarios like marketing and getting that voice in, like they now have that uh, ability to help serve those projects. And lastly, preservation, like their voice will be preserved for them. So whether they have, if they have a sick day or if their voice is strained, um, this technology can yell, scream, cry for them 24-7 without them having to worry. They're never going to be, they don't have to worry about that, yeah. Makes sense. Okay. You said you focus on the entertainment industry. Can you name a couple of your clients and, and what you with the projects that you're working on with them? I can't name projects per se, but what I can do is, yes, we work with Obsidian Entertainment. We recently had a demo video that we launched with them for our product launch. We work with Splash Damage. Um, we work with Sumo Digital, uh, 4A Games. There's quite a few different studios that we work with across the world, mostly in the AAA and gaming world, but also with film studios, we can help with documentaries, some things like maybe taking a historical figure and with the rights of the estate, bringing them back to life to tell their own story. So it's been very, very exciting. Yeah. And is that, is that a conscious choice to, to go, sort of go after the entertainment industry? Because I can imagine this technology can be used in like a plethora of, of use cases, right? Is that just because you're an early stage startup, you just want to sort of dominate one sector first and then go from there? For us, we wanted to make sure that we created the world's most expressive and realistic artificial voices. So always making it a quality first approach. And this is something that from my background, as well as John's background from Hollywood, like to be able to get what we see in Hollywood, like Jarvis or the movie Her and, and feeling like you have these human realistic voice interactions, you're going to get that from the entertainment industry. And so we've, we've modeled all of our workflows and work very closely with studios to do that but also to protect against deep fake technology. So this is very similar to that. But for us, we make sure that we serve studios who need it, just like CGI is only made for certain scenarios. So we, we work strictly B2B um, with enterprises, and we make sure that everyone's taken into account all the different parties to make sure that this is protected, but used in a way that's ethical. I just realized when I said you announced your first fundraising last year, that was actually just about two weeks before uh, the first lockdowns in Europe. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering how has it changed uh, you know, things internally within Synantic, but also how has it affected the, the industry as a whole? Yeah, so last year was a curveball for everyone, us included. Uh, we were very lucky. The only thing that really changed for us was um, moving remote, moving the whole team remote, and we were able to thrive that way. We also had to move all of our actors remote so that they could continue working, and they did. So we helped them with home studios. That was interesting because uh, sometimes you need recordings for like shouting, and you don't want the neighbors to think <laughs> that something's going wrong with um, our actors. But we managed, and that was all fine. We also saw a surge in entertainment, surge in gaming. Everybody was watching, you know, the Netflix or. Um, prime and, and and playing games. So there was a lot of demand to help these different studios. And so for us, it was really nice. And our actors continued working, which they were also grateful for. Great. One thing I forgot to ask in the beginning, what's your actual business models? If you work with these studios, how, how, do, you, how do you earn money from it? Sure. So we license our technology. We have annual license depending on um, what their needs are. We can make custom plans according to different studios. 
Um, and then with our actors on the other side, anytime their voice is used, they get a profit share. So this way, um, both, both sides are always taken into account and, um, yeah, it really helps them create and continue to do like what they do best, like the talent keep acting and the studios making great stories. Yeah. And um, would you say the stage that your company is in now, uh, first of all, how, how many people are in the company now? Uh, we're a team of 12. 12. And then is the focus now on sort of expanding the market and then, you know, selling as much as you can doing projects or is it still uh, highly focused on the technology itself? Yeah, we're now uh, working with lots of studios. We've worked with 200 different game studios uh, since since the start of this now. Um, we started with like five and now it's been uh, just over 200. And yeah, we're just, we're in that scaling mode now. In the scaling mode, that's always a good mode to be in, I think I would say. Um, so do, do you, um, have you changed the way you hire because of the pandemic? Do you still hire primarily in London or do you hire remote from all over the world? So we're open to hiring uh, around the world. However, most of our employees have been just London-based and that's been very nice. Uh, we do have some employees in Edinburgh and some in the States, as well as our actors in the States. Um, so we're very flexible. I think remote working was just something bound to happen eventually for everybody. And last year it was just like really hit the ground running with that. So we're very open and we think that, um, yeah, it's just going to be more of a remote world from now on forever. I would imagine so. Um, you mentioned that you were part of the first, um, well, one of the entrepreneur first uh, cohorts. Uh, how how was that experience for you? Yeah, so it was it was a great experience. It was a bit difficult as well, as you get thrown into a hundred different people, and it's like you press go, and you just have to try to uh, found a company as fast as possible. Me and John feel very lucky to have met through that program because we would have never met otherwise. But at the same time, it doesn't uh, come without its challenges like startups. Everything's quite difficult. So very grateful, but also knew that it was not an easy thing. Great. And do you foresee uh, raising more funding as you're scaling now? Yeah, we're, we're going to be looking at raising Series A this year. Great. Well, definitely let us know. Um, Zina, I can't thank you enough for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, Sonantic is a very interesting company that I'll continue to watch. Uh, any closing thoughts for the listeners? We're just really excited to see where this technology goes. It's just the beginning, but just like CGI is now in the highest grossing entertainment products of all time, uh, we really believe that this is going to be the way forward for audio as well. Yeah. Uh, I'll of course link to the website in uh, in the show notes but uh, to all the listeners definitely check out the demos and also the video that they've uh, produced uh, with uh, Obsidian uh, where they sort of go through the, the, the partnership a little bit uh, so I'll also link the video in the in the show notes but that was quite impressive in my uh, in my view uh, Zina thank you so much for your time and uh, have a really good uh, rest of the week thank you Cheers. take care and this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Send them to podcast at tech.eu or reach out to us. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Daylor, and I will talk to you again later this week. For now, take care and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.